Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. And welcome to episode 197 of Geek Time Radio. I'm back this week with Bex. How are you doing? Hello. I'm really tired, but it's because MCM is awesome, so that's all good. <laughs> yes, yes. We tried to keep the energy levels up, but I'm exhausted as well because we've both been at uh, MCM Birmingham for the last uh, few days. So how was the con for you? Nerve-wracking and awesome, <laughs> I think is the two words I would use to, to sum up MCM this time. Yes. Uh, nerve-wracking because? Because uh, as a last-minute minute replacement i was called upon to host a panel on the maid stage on saturday <laughs> yes you did a really good job i thought you stepped in very well on that what was the panel for well i know i know what was the panel for but tell the listeners what was the, the panel was for i know you though you were there in the front row just to sort of come and giggle at me as i uh, <laughs> yes i was <laughs> held a panel with five minutes notice and it was a really awesome opportunity i was like incredibly flattered to be asked to, to step in and do that and of course they wanted me because it was an indie comics panel. It was primarily about the new comic, The Theory, by T-Pub, the guys that do Twisted Dark. So it was Neil and some other guys that had worked on on the comic with him doing a panel on collaborative comic making and we took a lot of questions from the audience so I got to run around the audience asking people questions and it was it was good fun. It was good fun. I wasn't quite prepared for how many people were there. I was quite impressed that for yeah. Birmingham, that many people wanted to come out and talk to us about indie comics. I thought that was amazing. When I walked out onto the stage, I hadn't seen the crowd before I walked onto the stage <laughs> because we had very little time between each panel because one of the panels had been moved to Saturday because there was a scheduling issue. So they had worked really hard to, to move the panels around, but it meant we only had five minutes between each panel. So I didn't have time to sort of go around and look at the front and see how many people were there. I just saw that when I walked out onto the stage. I think I managed to 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 style that out fairly well but I was I was both terrified and really impressed that so many people in Birmingham would come out and have to chat to us about the indie comics. Yeah, yeah, it was a large crowd for an indie comic panel. I mean, I, I usually what happens with the MCM stuff is people will come in and sort of sit and take their places if there's another good panel coming afterwards as well. So I, I don't know what was kind of before or afterwards, but uh, but yes, I, I was really impressed that there was a lot of people that uh, decided to to stay and um, and watch the indie comic panel. And there was you, you were talking to the T-Pub guys afterwards and said they've been getting orders based off the panel so you clearly you did your job so yeah and lots of people in the audience had questions i yes, only got for a fraction true. of the questions there were so many people with their hands up and that was really awesome to see as well so i think a lot of people were there because they were interested in learning more about the comic making process yeah and i think as the, the comic audience is growing a lot of things are you know sort of the big the big companies like marvel and so forth are doing movies the audience are growing and i think people are now finding indie comics a bit more and they're yeah. starting to get a bit more coverage and the theory is an anthology like a series of connected but seemingly unconnected stories sort of going towards the same as they did with Twisted Dark they seem unconnected but there's actually a a big massive plan Uh, but it's sci-fi based this time Yeah, and I think that that and some of the awesome names that he got involved to do some of the artwork and some of the stories pulled in um, pulled in a reasonable crowd and I thought that's an awesome place for me to start because that's the largest stage that, that I've presented on I'm used to doing more side stage panels and things so that was my first time on a big big proper stage with blinding lights and and the works. 
Yeah, and it really are blinding lights up there. But uh, yeah, I've I've picked up a copy of the theory. I'm I'm quite interested in it. I have got Twisted Dark, but I'm not hugely into the horror stuff. So I I'm not massively into those as much as some of their other books. Like um, Tabitha, I think is great, uh, which is also kind of is a sort of horror related thing, but it's got some great humour in there as well. Uh, and they've got Theatrics and uh, Turncoat, which are both great books as well. But uh, I'm quite interested to read the theory, given that it's. It's that sort of anthology kind of idea, but done with sci-fi. So, uh, yes, I'm very much looking forward to, to reading that. I've, I have picked up my copy of it. What else were you doing while you were there? I spent a bit of time helping out slash hanging out with the guys from Silver Sabres who were booked out instantly from the moment the con yeah. opened. So that was awesome. They were raising a lot of money for charity and teaching people the basics of lightsaber fighting. Um, so that was pretty cool. They had a nice large arena so they could do some awesome display fighting as well yeah. and, and show off all of their mad skills Mm -hmm. and I actually had a slightly more chilled one I I was interviewed by another channel sort of saying what are you doing this MCM and I was like actually nowhere near as much as normal Mm -hmm. I've spent a lot of time catching up with people and speaking to there was quite a few new comics guys indie comics guys I hadn't spoken to before and a lot of them are they're slightly before the point where I feel I can interview them and promote them they're kind of on the beginning of that journey but some awesome ideas um there was a a gentleman whose name I cannot remember off the top of my head but he's doing uh, augmented reality oh so he's working in AR into the the artwork he's doing which will then he hopes to work into comic books so you'll be able to hold your phone over it and the image will move and move out the page and things so some really really interesting stuff coming up that i'm gonna then speak to those guys again at london mcm and see where they see where they are so that was good Lots, lots of actual socialising. It's very unusual for me to do some actual socialising at MCM and not just hours and hours of filming. I think I knew after being on the main stage, I would need to just chill for a bit. Yes, yes. What you're saying is you're usually quite antisocial, is what you're saying. I'm, I'm usually just filming the whole time yeah, and uh, then asleep. Yes, yes. That's the life, life of somebody who's, who uh, in former life was a cat, basically. <laughs> Except cats don't do all the work. They just yes, do that sleep. is true. Well, they hunt for mice, as my younger cat has been proving over the last few days. But uh, yes, uh, for me, it was a mixture of taking lots and lots of cosplay photos, which the edits of those are starting to go up over on um, the Instagram channel. So uh, that's Geek Down UK if you want to go and check those out. And I'm starting to do edits of those. Wondering around in cosplay myself, I was in uh, my Red Hood cosplay, which is slightly tweaked and revamped for for this year which I'm quite happy with uh, I have to say I, Red Hood when I started doing that cosplay about four years ago it was very difficult to find people doing Red Hood which is what I quite liked about it and I walked in on Saturday morning and saw five within 30 minutes <laughs> you're a trendsetter yes that's what clearly. it is you've set, you've set a trend clearly and it has nothing to do with the fact that DC released a uh, a DC animated Red Hood under the Red Hood cartoon I'm I'm sure that has nothing to do with all no, the fact that Jason no. Todd has been in Titans you know I'm, I'm no. sure neither of those things have anything coincidence to coincidence it's clearly all down to you yes. did you go and see any of the gaming section there was a replay events had a had a big retro gaming section going on I didn't get a chance to look at it yes I can't remember what it was called because they it it was renamed something else because it's usually it's just branded replay events but I think they branded it something else this one if i remember correctly but there was yeah there was a whole bunch of retro gaming there was some vr stuff there as well i seem to notice yeah there was it was a good mix i quite liked having that area there i think people were using it as a very handy place to deposit children for a little bit as well <laughs> yes always you saw little kids playing as they, they had a power stone which i loved they had a lot of n64s and some of the old consoles and things so that was quite good to see the little kids learning the ways of 16-bit gaming yes. gaming at its best Yes, absolutely. Saturday, I did quite a lot of uh, interviews because they lined them all up for the one day. So that was quite nice because we got to get all the interviews out of the way on one day and got like Sunday to do other stuff. Uh, so um, in terms of the guests that were there, Ace of Butterfield from Sex Education, the series with Gillian Anderson, was there but didn't do any press. I don't know whether he did a panel, actually. I'm not sure. But um, he didn't do any press, so I didn't really see anything of him other than kind of 
catching him signing stuff. Uh, Felicia Day didn't do any press, but she did do a couple of panels. Uh, one with uh, Ostrich Chow, who uh, played Kevin on Supernatural, and uh, Felicia obviously played Charlie on Supernatural. So uh, that was really good. I caught their panel on the Saturday, and then Felicia did one on her own on the Sunday. They were really funny. I mean, Felicia Day's wonderful and uh, was answering loads of questions from the audience. So they were really good. Uh, really enjoyed those. Veronica Taylor, who we've done a few times before, who was is the voice of Ash in Pokemon and plays April in the Tur- Turtles cartoon. She's lovely. And uh, we did a video interview with her. So she's be uh, going up on there. Rip Young and Alexander Vlahos, who played um, Merlin Celeon and Mordred. Um, Alexander also has a character in Versailles as well. I did an interview with those guys. Uh, Ian Beatty, who plays Marilyn Trant, and uh, Miltos, I'm, I want to say Yoru Rolu, um, who plays Sirio, uh, both from Game of Thrones. So uh, I think Miltos is the first time he's we've seen him at a con. Ian's there all the time, but uh, they're great. It's quite funny because one killed the other in the show, so that's always a nice bit of rivalry <laughs> when you do the interview. <laughs> Good for them to sort of work through that on stage in a public yeah. forum. Yes, yes, totally. So uh, there's an interview with them going up. We did a little interview with Mark Ryan, who uh, that was really random because we were sat chatting in the press room waiting for the next interview to turn up. And he wandered into the press room and goes, oh, I was told to come down here for an interview. Nobody had told us he was coming. <laughs> so he just sort of came in and we we're like, oh, oh, OK, then. And sort of he went round and sat down. We had no idea who he was. He introduced himself. We were like, oh, oh, all right, then. Yes, go on, talk. So so we had like a sort of 10 minutes with him unexpectedly and uh, that kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, Mark Ryan plays uh, Gates in Black Sails. He's the voice of Bumblebee in Transformers and played Nazir in Robin of Sherwood as well. So um, yeah, he was really interesting. He was very kind of up and exciting. We also did uh, Emmy Raver Lampman and uh, Tom Hopper, who are Alison and Luther from Umbrella Academy. They were fabulous. It was Emmy's first con. Uh, Tom's done a number of them because he's been in a million different franchises. So uh, they were really great. You'll get to hear that interview later on because I'm going to put it on the show so that's the interview for this week and uh, Charles Martinet who is the voice of Mario uh, also got to interview him he is exactly what you hope the voice of Mario is um, awesome he's really bubbly up loves loves his job he walked in immediately started doing lines from mario he was just a joy he's the type of person you want to be able to bottle and sell he just has really infectious energy to him um just wonderful and and really really lovely so uh, i think he was one of my favorite interviews this weekend just because he was such a happy person to talk to so uh, yeah that i mean that there was a really nice selection of interviews and they actually i mean with the exception of those one or two people like Felicia Day and Asa Butterfield they managed to pull a whole bunch of people into the press room which is not always the case so uh, yeah MCM did a great job sorting that out this this time around so there's lots and lots of interviews going to be going up on the YouTube channel which is uh, youtube.com forward slash geek town so go and check those out they'll be dropping over this week up on there in terms of other stuff I mean lots of decent cosplay anything in particular that leapt out at you a bunch of my friends went as Jawas yes I have a photo of those soundboards hidden in their clothing so they could press and trigger certain sound effects um, they also had a very very cute baby jower made out of a baby doll which also had light up eyes and little pouches <laughs> and that was pretty awesome and they tend to run around with lots of um, Star Wars screens and hand them out to children and things. Oh, it's very which cool. Which is really sweet. And they're very, very funny. Although I think they partly do dress up as Jawas so they can just run around annoying people. Yes. The Jawas, uh, the shows are always extremely entertaining. They're just sort of, I've bumped into them before in London and they're kind of, they'll come around and harass people and they're really funny, really, really entertaining. And they'll kind yeah. of, they'll pick up, pick up stuff and kind of start to wander off with it as Jawas do, you know. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I finally got to chat to the people that are always at comic-con as the um people from the holy grail monty python yes yes and uh, get a couple of photos with them holding the holy hand grenade i'm not sure i should be given the holy hand grenade no. and uh, also uh being attacked by the killer bunny 
Yes, yes. There's a few photos of that going up on uh, they're, they're on your Instagram, aren't you? Aren't they? So yeah, that was that was great fun. And there was uh, how to train your dragon group, which included a really really good toothless. Yes, so I got photos of them as well. That was awesome. Yeah, there was some really great cosplay. So one of the one of the best ones I I saw was uh, a guy who had made a Warhammer Forty Thousand librarian costume. Um, which if you don't know Warhammer Forty Thousand, that sounds like it's going to be something really dull. But uh, the war it's like a full Warhammer 40,000 armor. Uh, it's covered in these tiny little skulls and the detail on it is just incredible. It was just a phenomenal, I don't know how long it took him to make, but it's a phenomenal bit of work. Uh, there'll be a photo of that going up on, on the Instagram um, relatively soon. And uh, yeah, I, I just incredible. Some of the uh, cosplay this this time around i've really really enjoyed just seeing various different people work yeah i got to see a lot more of it as well but doing doing the less work and the more socializing i got to go and chat to more of the cosplayers and see more of the costumes and just generally see more of the show as well which was which was quite nice i quite enjoyed that but there were some incredibly impressive people and as much cosplay as you get in the the bigger london shows as well the percentage of people in cosplay is just as high up in birmingham which was quite cool yeah it's great just to see people come out and uh, the amount of people particularly it was interesting with the guests a lot of the guests kind of were coming in and were saying one thing they love about particularly the MCM one, the Comic Cons, is just how lovely and friendly and happy environment it is for people. And they love the fact that people come in costume and you know, you've got guys dressed as girls and girls dressed as guys and all that sort of stuff and nobody cares and it's it's all really nice and it's all really friendly and uh, they I mean that's why a lot of the guests love doing it it's it's just a really really pleasant environment to be in so um, that was really lovely to hear from the variety of the guests that were that were coming in and they were sort of saying that in interviews and then I wholeheartedly agree it's I mean they're they're lovely shows to go to they're really really friendly and lovely places to, to be so uh, if you've got an MCM coming nearby there's london birmingham manchester they still do one in scotland don't they as well i think so and this they do about eight a year so uh they are around if you uh, want to go and look look them up but uh mcmcomiccon.com is the uh, address for that they're well well worth going to so anything else from mcm for you i think i think you've covered a fair amount of it <laughs> <laughs> um after after i spent some time recovering from being on stage and then talking to all of the people playing some of the games and running around and reading all of the comics I was quite exhausted and spent a reasonable amount of time playing Cards Against Humanity in the hotel (laughs) yes always good always good fun and being slightly frustrated on the Friday that I couldn't watch the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery because I'd gone up the day before and didn't have my Netflix Ah. login oh no I know yes good episode this week good episode Um, so yes something to something to look forward to when you get off this podcast <laughs> i guess if you haven't watched it yet <laughs> that's sort of it for mcm um a couple of other little things this week the rookie new show started on sky one with nathan fillion who i adore nathan fillion he's fabulous uh interesting new show has a sort of vibe of uh 911, the ryan murphy series to it in that you're you're following a sort of street level cop he plays a, the oldest rookie cop in the lspd basically it's based on a true story bizarrely but uh so he's a rookie cop but he's nathan fillion's age <laughs> and uh and it's it's about him working for the LAPD and it sort of follows various events as they're kind of going through this sort of day-to-day street level stuff so uh, yeah remind me a little bit of of 911 because that's sort of what 911 does but yeah really fun really really good series it's a bit more drama than dramedy possibly but it has got funny moments in it so uh, yeah we'll definitely I mean Nathan Fillion's just amazing to watch so uh, go and check that out it's on Sky One and uh, there was a game Gaming announcement this week, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines is getting a sequel. They're making a second one of it. Do you know that video game? It was a card game as well, I think, as well. Yeah, it was a role-playing game, yeah, which I used to play game. when I was a teenager. Yes. I haven't actually played the computer game version, but that's interesting that that's making a comeback, being that it has ties to the role-playing game world and the, the D&D world type area, and that's uh, getting a sequel. Interesting. What platform is that going to come out on? It will be cross-platform, that, I believe. Uh, and it's coming fairly soon. They're actually 
saying 2020, although, I mean, early 2020 as well, although with all these sorts of things, the release dates tend to slip. But uh, been made by Paradox Interactive, who were a really great company. I play Paradox Interactive are one of those companies where you suddenly start realising that you've got quite a lot of Paradox Interactive games without really realising it, because they have quite a good variety of, of sort of things from FPS, RPG, uh, city builders, all that sort of stuff. So there's quite a strong mix that they publish. They acquired White Wolf's properties and the option to make games out of them in uh, 2015. Vampire Masquerade is a, is a White Wolf property. So... Yeah, I, it it was quite quite nice. They uh, the company that's making it is called Hard Suit Labs, and they apparently hired the original writer of the first game and then approached Paradox to say, "Hey, we'd be quite interested in making a sequel," and they kind of leapt at the chance. So it's got the same writer behind it because the first game had quite a lot of issues technically, um, and then the company that made the first game went under. It was Troika, and they went under fairly quickly after it was released. But the fan community stepped in and patched it, and then found a bunch of extra content which uh, Troika hadn't finished. So they uh, patched all that back in as well. So there's a unofficial patch which expands and fixes the game so it got quite a lot of plays for the storyline but uh it was quite buggy so but if you get the unofficial patch for it you can go and buy it and play through it and it is a fabulous fabulous game you basically get to play one of the uh vampire clans and it's all set in modern day la and uh you play as this uh, creature of of the night and uh, that includes a vampire clan where you're you're a horribly disfigured vampire so you've got to stay in the shadow the entire time so people don't realise you're a vampire. Uh, the uh, second game is apparently based around a mass vampiric embrace which is the the vampiric embrace is the thing that makes humans sort of fall under the spell of the vampires and uh, there's somebody has sort of put this large embrace around this bunch of people in Seattle and uh, it's causing havoc across all the clans because nobody agreed to it apparently so that's the sort of basis of the second one but uh, I yeah I'm I'm quite interested to see uh, where they go with it so I'm very excited for that but it's uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 and that is coming out at the moment it's pitched for early 2020 so keep an eye out for that so that's all the news for this week next we'll move on to some TV and film news so TV and film news this week renewals cancellations and pickups there was a great disturbance in fandom as million of voices cried out in terror Supernatural is coming to an end with season 15 <laughs> it had to happen at some point 15 seasons is a pretty astounding run uh, I adore Supernatural I will be very sad to see it go it was the decision of Jensen and Jared by the sounds of it because it, it, the CW had always said as long as the boys want to make it and the numbers are still there which they have been we will still put it on air so it sounds like Jensen and Jared basically decided that they wanted to move on after 15 years and do other things uh, which is entirely understandable so it's shame to see it go but at least they're going to end it on their own terms and stuff have you I mean obviously you're aware of Supernatural have you been watching it recently I do love Supernatural it's an incredibly fun show with a remarkably likeable cast considering half of them are evil and trying to you know destroy the world and yes. little quirks of their personality like that it's such an epic show with such a wonderful and loyal fandom and i suspect even just you mentioning it in this podcast has caused a cry as we're recording not even as they hear it just they know we're saying this yes and they will be crying out in terror because of that announcement but i think if if they're feeling like they're coming to a natural end with with wanting to work on it then they have to stop really yeah they, they have to you have to be enjoying writing it to keep writing it and if they they want to break i'm sure they could resurrect it in future if they so desired or create spin-offs there's enough awesome side characters and other people that cast if they wanted to make spin-off series or one-offs they certainly could and i'm sure it will continue in comic books and books and other forms as yeah. well anyway 
Yeah, I mean, I it's the spin-off thing has been difficult for them because every time they've presented a spin-off, they've done it two or three times now, and every time they've presented a spin-off to the CW, the CW have rejected it because they are sort of feeling that the show is Jensen and Jared, and they're not convinced that it sort of continues without it. And I, I think that's probably a mistake. There was a lot of love for the Wayward Sisters spin-off, which was pitched last year, and uh, that didn't get picked up, and, and there was a lot of fans very upset that that didn't get picked up but yeah. um, and I think Felicia Day could hold a, a spin-off series as well oh yeah yeah totally and the boys could just drop in occasionally yeah um, I mean, I would like to see sort of something. There was a really, uh, really sweet photo that um, Stephen Amell of Arrow posted uh, that, that basically was him, I think, with Jared saying, uh, our first meeting of the soon-to-be unemployed actors club went really well. <laughs> and they were kind of <laughs> having a drink together. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope in season 15 they managed to rope in Stephen Amell for one episode because they've been threatening to do that crossover for ever since like Arrow came on air and they were kind of shooting next door to each other. So uh, yeah, I, I hope they managed to sort of rope in some sort of crossover in the Arrow final season and the Supernatural final season. Well, even if it's not good. an actual crossover yeah, yeah, and they just, just- rope Rove Hamelin in order to be a, an unfeasibly good archer for no apparent reason. Yeah, yeah. There, I, there'll I, be a way to do it. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the fact that it's like they they dropped in a reference to um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan a few episodes back. Who I I, I know has since made a reappearance in Supernatural, but they they dropped it dropped in a reference where they put Lucille Negan's bat on the table, and uh, it's sort mm-hmm. of the bat with the bob wire, and, and one of them picks it up and goes, "Oh, Dad, I'd love this," and like kind of puts it on a shelf somewhere. <laughs> I just think it's other little references like that are great, but I I do hope that they uh, they manage to do something thing together that would be quite good fun to see so yeah supernatural going is we've still got the 14th season to arrive it is going to be coming soon on e4 they still haven't set the date yet they've not pulled their finger out they will do it at some point it's it's going to arrive at some point in the spring that was the last thing they told me so uh, it it will arrive soon it's just not scheduled yet and then they've got season 15 which will be uh end of this year next year in the US and probably next year for us so there is one more season to come they will end it well I'm sorry to see it go but you know things come to an end in terms of other shows uh, Tin Star has been renewed for a third and final season that's the uh, Tim Roth series uh, apparently they're, they're moving the third season back to Liverpool it's going to be set around Liverpool it's been set in the Rocky Mountains up until now so that's quite a shift but uh, yes so I'm quite behind on the second season but I, I'm like the fact that they've kind of ended that in a three season run, you know, they're doing these things on Sky Atlantic where they're kind of, well, that's the story we've got to tell. You know, they're, they're not kind of letting them just run on and on. They're, they're just doing these, these short season run things of, of things. So uh, yeah, Tin Star renewed for a third and final season. Uh, Amazon Prime have picked up American Gods for a third season, which has just started airing the second season on uh, Amazon Prime and Stars as well, actually, which is the US network. That I'm quite happy to see back i've seen the first two episodes of the uh second season and that's really good uh just announced today marvel's runaways renewed for a third season which is fine i'm sort of it it's a kind of second tier marvel show as far as i'm concerned i'm sort of enjoying it but it's it's kind of watchable enough I, have you seen any of runaways only the first couple of episodes yeah it's on the list of things to watch, but it's not at the top of my list of things to watch. Yeah, that's sort of how I feel about it. It's it's fine, and there's not a whole lot of other things on at the moment, but it's not one that's like a must-watch thing for me. I'm enjoying it. It's perfectly fine. It's funny, and it's it's a nice little Marvel show, but it's not kind of doesn't leap out at me as being kind of a, a really big thing. But I'm glad it's back for a third season. That's good. Uh, and uh, Netflix have announced the new Ryan Murphy series, which is called The Politician. I think this is the first thing to come out of the Netflix Ryan Murphy deal, which he did last year for some insane amount of money. Um, that's uh, called The Politician. It's going to be premiering in September. The logline for it says it's a dark comedy which follows Peyton Hobart, a wealthy student at Santa Barbara, California, who has known since the age of seven he's going to be president of the United States. But first, he'll have to navigate the most treacherous 
English political landscape of all, St. Sebastian's High School, to get elected a student body president, secure a spot at Harvard, and stay on his singular path to success. Peyton will have to outsmart his ruthless classmates without sacrificing his own morality and carefully crafted image. That's the setup for it. It's it's interesting to see Ryan Murphy going back to sort of the his his more glee era kind of high school backstabbing kind of things, which uh, I I think could be quite interesting. I love Ryan Murphy's stuff. I mean, he's the guy behind 911, Pose, American Crime Story, American Horror Story, Feud, a million other things. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm sort of interested to see where he goes with this. Uh, politics and high school could be kind of interesting. Uh, ben Platt, who is in Pitch Perfect, is taking the lead role, but it's also got people like Gwyneth Paltrow in it, Jessica Lang, Zoe Dench, uh, Lucy Boynton, uh, there's a whole bunch of other people as well. So, uh, yeah, it's got a good cast to it. Um, I, I think Warren Murphy things are always worth a watch. So that's one to keep keep an eye out for. It's called The Politician. It's coming to Netflix in September. That. Moving on to bigger stories, they've announced the cast for Amazon's Dark Tower pilot. So, first of all, Amazon are making a Dark Tower pilot. If you didn't know that, that is coming. The... Uh, Two people that have been cast as the lead roles are Sam Strike and Jesper Packeren, who is a Danish actor who you might know from Vikings. Um, Sam Strike, I believe, was in EastEnders, uh, but he's been in Night Flyers as well more recently, and he's about to be in the uh, Sky Atlantic series Chernobyl as well. Do, are you a fan of The Dark Tower? I know they did a movie recently, and there's, there's a, it's a Stephen King book series. I didn't see the film, which apparently was probably for the best by the sounds of the reaction it got. Yeah, I haven't seen the film and I haven't read the book. It is slightly more on the, or obviously it's Stephen King, so it is slightly horror, more yeah. on the horror kind of side, but it is quite a, a mashup of genres. It's quite an interesting book and it's one I probably should have read and may go away and get a hold of a copy of now, to be honest, so I can delve a bit more into it. The book's basically a mashup of sort of fantasy, sci-fi, wild western, Arthurian legend, which is kind of an interesting mix. It follows a guy called Roland, who is the last living member of Knightly Order known as the Gunslingers, last of the line of Arthur Eld. Uh, TV drama is set to take place early on in the novel series. So the movie was kind of, I think actually was an adaptation of The Dark Tower, the book, but there is a whole novel series of it. And this TV series is going to take place in an earlier part of that. Uh, his main, the main antagonist is called The Man in Black and um, Sam Strike is playing the gunslinger and uh, Jasper's playing the man in black in it. It's hopefully a bit of a redemption for people that absolutely loathed the Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey movie because apparently that did not land well with fans and uh, the TV series was originally planned as a spin-off of the movie and they rapidly changed that idea when the fan reaction to the film came out so um yeah, it's uh, it's now not going to be that. It's going to be a much closer adaptation to the original source novels, is the plan. It is only a pilot at the moment, um, so it, it's going to start shooting apparently in the next few months once they've got the casting sorted. Beyond that, we don't know. It might not go to series. It might. Uh, it's not like Amazon are exactly short of things to licenses and stuff. I mean, they've got like Lord of the Rings and they've got various other sci-fi things going on. So uh, it's not like they're short of things to work on at the moment, but uh, we'll... We'll let you know if that goes to series and we hear more about it. Moving over onto CBS in the US, they have got a uh, new show coming. It's again, it's a pilot. Uh, it's, it's a new up-to-date version of Frankenstein called Alive is the idea for it. It stars Ryan Philippe, Karina Law and Aaron Statton. It centers on Mark Escher, who is played by Ryan Philippe. And he is a San Francisco police investigator who is presumed dead after an attack and destructive fire at his home. Six months later he shockingly reappears and is reunited with his wife played by Katrina Law but something has changed a shadow has fallen across his sunny disposition and he's haunted by the visions of the case that he was working on before he died he and Elizabeth will seek answers about who shot and abducted him and what was done to him Elizabeth is a pathologist a medical examiner who's stunned when her husband reappears she's still to have him back but knows there is a secret behind his disappearance and uh, she thinks she knows who is responsible and that man is Aaron Statton's Victor Frankenstein, who is a brilliant, if slightly odd, driven scientist working on secret cutting edge projects. So yeah, I mean, it's an interesting sort of up-to-date version of Frankenstein. I swear they did a show like this 
not that long ago, which lasted one season, which was a sort of similar premise. I, yeah, they're trying it again, but it does seem like they've already been down this road already. I think it depends on what they put the emphasis on, because you've got a mix here of somebody trying to solve a crime that's haunting them type narrative. You've also got the whole amnesiac, don't know what's happened to yourself kind of narrative. Um, I guess a bit of an orange origin story for Frankenstein's monster, but not type of thing. Or yeah. it could go off into the sort of crazy science getting out of hand ethics and we can, but should we kind of, like, I think it depends which thing they're focusing on. Yeah. It's really hard to tell at the moment yeah. exactly what kind of show it's going to be because there's so many things going on. I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's an interesting enough cast that they've got. I mean, Ryan Philly, people will know from Shooter, which was uh, cancelled not that long ago, uh, but played Sebastian in Cruel Intentions. I think that's where a lot of people will know from. Katrina Law, who has been starring in uh, The Oath and Sacred Lies recently. She's probably best known as Nissa Al Gore on Arrow, though, for people in the UK. Aaron Stanton was in Narcos Mexico and Castle Rock. Uh, for a lot of gamers, though, he'll be known as Cole from L.A. Noir, who is the main star of, of L.A. Noir, the, the Rockstar video game. So, yeah, I think the cast is quite good. Uh, and it is only a pilot again at the moment. Uh, it's written and produced by guy called Jason Tracy who's previously worked on Elementary and Burn Notice so I mean given that he's worked on Elementary that might give you some idea of of the tone of it because uh, Elementary was also a CPS show as well so yeah no, and I loved Elementary I felt that didn't get anywhere near as much attention as it deserved it was very well written very enjoyable managed to mix some quite dark elements with a lot of very dry comedy and done very well yeah I'm very much with you on Elementary I, I like that show a lot and uh, you know, I'll be sad to see that one go because that's coming to an end as well. I, I think that gives you an idea of probably where the to- tonally where it's probably going to be. Um, the director for it has has worked on Stranger Things, Jessica Jones, and Westworld. So, well, the person that's directing the pilot quite often then just do the pilot and then move on. In a lot of cases, so it is only a pilot at the moment. Uh, it's quite possible it won't get picked up to series. It's called Alive. Um, we'll let you know if we hear any more about that. We are going to get more and more pilots coming up as we head up into. Uh, the next sort of month or so because May is when everything gets picked up and renewed that's when it all goes for it like crazy and they go cancel mad and we get the bloodbath of of everything being cancelled and everything being renewed and the pilots being picked up so over the next month or so you'll you'll start to get more and more pilot news and lastly major news this week that the Disney Fox merger or acquisition Disney's acquisition of Fox has finally happened it is now complete after many 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 months um so that means that uh, disney now control things such as the simpsons avatar deadpool and x-men which is cool the acquisition includes 20th century fox fox that like pictures fox 2000 pictures fox family fox animation uh, fox television creative units 20th century fox television fs productions fox 21 fx networks uh, national geographic uh, fox network group international star india Fox's interest in Hulu and Endemol Shine Group and Tata Sky. So, yeah, I mean, they, it cost them a lot of money, but they did get quite a lot for it as well. Just put the interesting position that it now means that uh, things such as uh, the Avatar franchise is now a Disney property. Aliens and Predators are also digi- Disney properties. Planet of the Apes, uh, Buffy and Angel are now Disney properties. X-Files, 24 franchise, Family Guy, Die Hard, uh, Deadpool, as I mentioned, is now a Disney property. I'm sure that will come up in the next Deadpool movie. Um, Fantastic Four and X-Men are all now Disney properties, which means they are now available to the MCU moving forward. So... um, yeah, I, I do wonder whether now this is complete, whether they'll rush to film something that uh, gets tagged on to the end of Endgame, which has a mutant turn up. <laughs> just just like, the, you know, they all go for tea or something. Yeah. <laughs> just everyone's there as the, the post credit scene, just kind of like, oh, hi. Yeah. yeah. Know, it, welcome. Welcome to the team. <laughs> even if it was, I mean, you could do it without actually having the actor there of, of having just the last end credit scene, just a Wolverine claw coming out <laughs> you know just just a shot of that of like the sort of snick and the the claws coming out the audience would just go nuts <laughs> so, 
it's going to be interesting to see what gets rebooted, what gets recast, yeah. um, and what tweaks they need to make. Because the MCU has a very, very distinct tone and has a very strong plan that's been in place for a long time. And then this is a whole lot of new characters. So they've sort of been working around not having those characters for yeah. some things. For people that know the comic books that have been adapted in some of the, the movies, they've, they have worked around things in certain ways. So are they going to start trying to include them or trying to to retrospectively give them a place within some of the previous timelines, albeit somewhere else. Because the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series, they set around bits in the MCU without entirely crossing over, but giving them just a place around those timelines. And they could almost do that maybe if they wanted to kind of make them feel more more seated or maybe they'll just start them as fresh things and then tie them in later after they've established them singularly as they did with mm. the original characters at the start of the MCU. Yeah, I, I rather think it's not like Kevin Feige hasn't known who's the co-president of Marvel Studios, hasn't known this was coming. So he says they haven't actually started properly planning anything yet but it wouldn't surprise me if there was some ideas percolating about what they could do with them. Because they, I mean, he, he has said the notion of the characters coming back is great. He said they haven't... It's going to be interesting for anyone that wasn't too keen on the latest Captain Marvel movie, because we all know in the original timelines and comic books, what happens when you put Rogue and uh, Ms. Marvel in a room together. Right. Um, because of, in the comic books originally, Rogue gained her the powers of flight and super strength by taking them from Ms. Marvel. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that might be a way of... Uh, <laughs> In, in, in opinion, opinion of X-Men fans like me of fixing Rogue um, <laughs> although I have not seen the, the Captain Marvel movie myself I've heard some interesting mixed reviews and because that character has such a strong tie to the X-Men it's going to be interesting to see how that might work going forward as well Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because I don't know the Captain Marvel comic books, um, so I, I went into the film somewhat blind. And uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed the film quite a lot. I, I thought it was it was fun and uh, you know, perfectly decent addition to the uh, to the franchise. I, I do feel slightly sorry for Scarlett Johansson, who's been plugging away at this for 10 years and some upstart comes along and gets the first female Marvel movie. But, you know, <laughs> so I thought the movie was, uh, was perfectly fine but then i'm not comparing it to any of the comic books so mm. the but, comic yeah, books no. have gone through a lot of changes i think as well yes i um, mean marvel timelines are all over the place so <laughs> wibbly wobbly timey wimey i yes. think would be the technical phrase they yes, might use very very much with the marvel stuff i think it's fair to say it's probably the end of the mcavoy fastbender franchise um that uh, and and the patrick stewart uh ian mckellen Stop. I, I think that will all go with the takeover and Disney will want to reboot it, partly because you have to cast a new Wolverine um, because, I mean, much as I would love to see Hugh Jackman back, he has said that he's not doing it anymore and I don't think you've managed to get him to come back again having made sort of such a public thing about not doing it anymore. <laughs> so, I wonder if they'll specifically cast somebody shorter. Yes, I, I That was always the complaint do. was that he's amazing at Wolverine, but one of the things about Wolverine's character is he is much shorter than everybody else yeah. so maybe maybe they will do that because they're going to have to work very hard to find someone that the fans will accept as a replacement yeah and I mean but one thing they've done very well in the MCU is casting so I yeah I, I think that's going to be fine I think they will find somebody that's this reasonable but because they've got to recast Wolverine I suspect they'll recast everybody you know because that that franchise has become a bit of a mess over at Fox it's half restarted itself sort of prequeled but contradicted itself and yeah I'm not an incredible fan of those movies, as as you know. Um, no. So I did like some of the casting. and I thought there were some brilliant moments in them, but I never felt they were actually that coherent. Mm. And being a massive fan of the comic books, there were various bits that will not stop irking me as being better in the comic books that I felt was a missed opportunity when they didn't include them in the films. So I think this could be a, a really interesting opportunity to make a much stronger coherent X-Men yeah. franchise and if they could also tie that into the rest of the MCU that would be amazing as well yeah I would very much like to see that I, I'd be interested to see the Fantastic Four weaved back in as well because again you're not going to see the iteration that they did last time you're not 
that they're not going to make a reappearance after the panning that film got. I didn't think it was actually as bad as people made out, but then I'd, everybody had told me it was awful. So I went in with very low expectations. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, and uh, I'm, I'm rather a fo- fan of the uh, first two original Fantastic four movies that they they did i rather like those two so i'd be interested to see that coming back maybe not their own film initially but it would be nice to see the that that all getting kind of molded together and everybody being in one place i mean they've even managed to get spider-man back so i don't think there are any other properties that are are anywhere else at this point i mean because they have the connected connection with sony so yeah i think they now pretty much have everything under one roof which is is great news The fact it's possible that one day we could get a crossover between the MCU, The Simpsons, Predator and Deadpool. (laughs) Yes, yeah, that's that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, Deadpool himself, of course they have said will probably be kept as a separate entity and they'll keep him at arm's length because he is very 18 rated and that's not really MCU appropriate. It would be nice if they could maybe drop him in, even if it's just in the odd post credit thing. And uh, mm. It know. gives them the opportunity to pull people the other way though. Yes. If they don't want to include Deadpool in the regular MCU, they can always pull in some more other characters to cameo will be part of Deadpool because he was seeming a little bit isolated where they, you know, couldn't mention really obvious ties yeah. to the X-Men. They couldn't, you know, mention anything like the Weapon X things apart yeah. from in by choosing particular songs with lyrics that uh, that mentioned these yes. things. But um, I mean, they worked it in incredibly well and it was it was very funny the way they handled it. But now at least they'll have the freedom, hopefully, to use terminology yeah. that's relevant. And and the X-Men will be called mutants and things again. And people in the other parts of the MCU will be called the, the, the correct titles we call them in the comics because I think they were working around limitations a lot before. Yeah. So we're interested to see what how they handle Deadpool. But they have kind of said that they will probably keep it as a separate entity, which I think is fine. And I, I get that. Disney Plus Stream service which is is launching in the US later this year hopefully worldwide after that that as I think we've said before has been kept strictly PG-13 so don't expect any of the Netflix uh, Marvel shows to show up on that but they do now have Hulu they have a very large stake in Hulu and they have the FX um, TV brand as well which they are retaining both of those are possible new homes when the contract runs out with uh, Netflix because there's an exclusion of a couple of years on those uh, as standard on Netflix contracts so when those contracts run out if you want to see the Marvel Netflix shows come back they may pop up on something like Hulu or FX but we'll have to wait and see for those so yeah all good all good I think this is good news I, I wonder as mentioned Buffy and Angel now appear to be part of the Disney thing. I do wonder whether they may crop up in new iterations of some form. I mean, they were they are talking, or there was talk of of them working on a a new continuation of the Buffy franchise. Uh, I do wonder what's happening with that now. It's uh, moved over. We'll have to see. And uh, you've you've obviously got things like Aliens and Predator and, and Die Hard and stuff like that, which which isn't really Disney friendly. So the chances are it may have a Disney logo on it somewhere but it will go out under a Fox brand or some other like newly created thing to house the more mature content. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, so that's all the news we've got for this week. Uh, next up, we have the interview. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So the interview this week, as I mentioned earlier, comes from MCM. It was with Emmy Raver Lampman, who plays Allison, and uh, Tom Hopper, who plays Luther, aka Spaceboy, in the Umbrella Academy. Tom, you will know from shows such as Black Sails, where he played Billy Bones, Merlin, where he played Sir Percival, uh, Game of Thrones, where he played Dickon Tarly, and of course Umbrella Academy. Uh, Emmy Raver Lampman 
she played Alison in Umbrella Academy. Um, that's really her first major TV role, but she did play Angelica Schuyler in the uh, first US tour of Hamilton as well. So she was one of the kind of early originators of, of Hamilton before she got into doing TV. She's got a few other TV projects coming up as well. So um, they were lovely. They were great. Uh, it was um, Tom's hundreds or so con, uh, Emmy's first time. Just interesting having them both there. They were really nice and they were bouncing off each other quite well. So it's about 10 minutes long. Here's the interview with those guys. We will see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Oh, quick extra note. Forgot to mention, there are a couple of spoilers for Umbrella Academy in here. So if you've not seen your series yet and you're worried about spoilers, you might just want to skip over the interview. It's about 10 minutes long. Here's the interview with Emmy and Tom. Are you enjoying yourself today? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you should probably ask it because it's like Emmy's first yeah because so. yeah. netflix sent us to brazil mm. and to new york but it was very it was a very cultivated like sneakers in the back we do a q a and then we sneak out and we didn't really just spend any time on the floor and like interact with with any of the people there yeah. so it's been really awesome really really awesome to just be in the middle of it and you know see all the cosplay and yeah it's and great everyone. it's great to see some umbrella academy cosplay yeah. because uh I've not really seen anyone I've done these things before. Um, you might, there might be the odd one hanging around, but there's been so many today mm-hmm. now the show's out. Um, and it's great to see, you know, like what the different takes are on the characters. The Klaus uh, umbrellas I've seen. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a lot of white classes. violins, a lot yeah. of number fives. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's are so you cool. surprised by the show's um, sort of well, the show's success, but how fast it's grown. It has yeah. grown very fast, yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's the thing you always hope for. Like, you know, I don't think you set out to do any project being like, yes, this is it. This is going to be so big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think you hope that, you know, we had such a great time sh- working on it and, and shooting it. And I think we just, and knowing that it's coming from the comics, wanting to like make the fan base that it already exists proud and then hope that they understand and see, you know, the way, the, the version that is now on their televisions yeah. and like it as much as we enjoyed it. So I, but I definitely am shocked. I did not think it was, you know, we have no idea because Netflix holds all their numbers really close. Mm. Um, but it sounds like they are very excited and have been. Um, so. And it's great to see the response from the fans. You know? Yeah. That, I think that's a good telling sign, you know, when, because until I turn up here today, you kind of get an idea that the show's doing well, a bit of online chat and stuff and people, Calling you up and going, oh, what's the show, man? It's great. You know, that sort of thing. What, just um, like that? Yeah, yeah exactly just like that. Yeah. I've got a friend He's being stupid. too big of fun yeah. of you. <laughs> <laughs> My face was getting red. Yeah, like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> um, I need to stop making faces when there's having the cameras around. Um, but yeah, you get it's, it's great to see the response from, from the people, you know, and uh, seeing how excited they are about it, which is great because we are so excited about it. Yeah. So it's great. Has it been a big response to the dancing? The, uh, I think we're alone. Which one? Oh, I think we're alone. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, That's yeah. a lot of people's favorite. Yeah. I think it comes yeah. at the perfect time in the pilot because it's, it's so yeah. heavy and it's so dense and it's like really methodical and slow. And everyone, you're unpacking yeah. these characters and it kind of comes at a moment where you're like, oh, God, I need a break from yeah. the drama. I think it's also like it's a great sort of indicator of the style what, of the yeah, show. Yeah, the style of the show mm-hmm. that you never really know what's coming and there's a quirkiness to it. Yeah. That, is unexpected, mm-hmm. and that's what carries on all the way through the show. So, yeah, the response has been brilliant for that. Yeah. yeah, and we had a great time doing it. <laughs> Too much fun. How, how hands on with the creators? Because on shows like American Gods yeah. and Good Omens, Neil Gaiman is very much part of the show running now. Yeah, I wonder because obviously this was the baby of a, a Gabrielle Barr and a Gerard. Yeah, Wayne. yeah. I'm wondering whether they. Were um, that's a long-winded question. No, no, How no. much involvement <laughs> were they allowed to have on a on a series of this nature? Yeah. Well, the, the thing is with those two, those two are the creators of the comic, and they were exec producers on the show, right? So they had a, a massive input, and they were they were there right from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, the development of the show. And then Steve Blackman, who is the head showrunner of the show. He is the kind of, he's the one that the day-to-day, the, the genius of the show, really, the, the way it's scoped out is down to him, you know, and, and overseen by those guys who, you know, had the, the comic book in, in mind and the stories of the comic book. Yeah. Uh, but Steve Blackman is, is amazing and he, yeah. he really deserves the credit for the show. Yeah. And one last question. So are you aware of the amazing graffiti street-level PR that's going on, including one in Digbeth in Birmingham that you're not going to see tonight because you're in a hotel here? 
but it's absolutely no by a guy called Street uh, Jim Vision. He's a big graffiti artist. Oh yeah. And apparently, in, in a lot of cities around the world, you've got these absolutely huge, beautiful black and white piece of artwork from Brella Academy, and they're That's, pretty magnificent. You've yeah, seen I've seen one in Shoreditch. Yeah. yeah. I actually went. I, I took a selfie in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Jim Vision's the guy behind it. Look up his artwork online. He's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. That's, yeah. I didn't really know that it was like a thing. That's yeah. really There's one cool. in Liverpool as well, right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. You haven't been robbed yet, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> did, did you go to the source material yourself as part of kind of your research, the, the comics? I think we all, we were encouraged to read it if we wanted to. There was zero pressure because I think Steve really wanted all of us to bring our own takes to the characters. But, you know, I absolutely wanted to know where we were coming from. So when I was, around the time that I was auditioning, I, I bought both of them and, and read them. Yeah, yeah. It was also the only thing we had, apart from the pilot script, mm-hmm. it was the only thing to draw from yeah. to kind of influence the character choices and stuff very early on. So I was, I mean, I was the first one to be cast, like, like, in I think it was like two or three months before someone else was cast so I had this kind of empty time of going I need to know more about the show I need to know more about the character and so I, I kind of immersed myself in the comics you know because it was the only thing I could draw from at that point um, but they are they are a great influence and I, I think it was really important to sort of find what people fell in love with in the characters in the comic books and then try and bring those things into the to the show um, during uh, the series, there's a, a really great part for me that I found really moving with you. And you were talking to Pogo, and you found out there was, sorry for spoilers, guys, but there was there was no reason for you to be um, on the moon. And your response to that was so raw, so so it was really pure. What do you do to prepare to prepare yourself for such a heartbreaking scene? Do you um, swing it, or do you have to go to the Oh, lots of onions. Yeah, there's just a, there's just a pile of chopped up. <laughs> No, the thing is with something like that, you have to really get inside the character's head. You know, you have to think about what they what have been through. And for me, I was like, imagine, you know, being on your own for that long and thinking your whole life's purpose was for something that ended up being a lie. And it was just for nothing. Like for me, that it just had to organically happen, you know, and it had to be something that I just felt. Because if you force anything like that, Mm You know, it, it, you, the camera sees it all, so you have to feel it. It has to be raw. And sometimes it's not easy, you know. Sometimes you... you it, but that's when it's a testament to the writing and how clear these characters are on the page. Like, I knew who Luther was. I knew what he'd been through. I, I felt like I was him at that point. So, like I say, you let it happen organically. You trust the, the things that are going on inside your head, you know, as that character. The comic books have a very particular style to the artwork. When you were sort of, you know, you said you had a few months to to look at it. When you were looking at it, did it sort of cross your mind of how on earth are they going to get that particular image translated into a TV show? I I think they did a fantastic job of it. I think the biggest one for us was Klaus. I didn't know. I was like, how are they going to do that? That's going to be crazy. But I think that also was Steve was like, I love where this came from and like the the you know, all of these characters have so much to offer and there's so much going on and their powers are so unique and different. But I think he also was like, but I also really want to ground it in reality and 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 kind of make it more about the drama, about the family dynamics, about the psyche of these characters and not so much about, you know, Robert floating around the house and, mm-hmm. and you know, David he had to, swimming a bunch. Swimming around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think he had to find a way of making the characters really relatable to everyday people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you just took it straight from the comics, it would feel so kind of out of this world mm-hmm. yeah. that it's like, well, it's not really relatable. And that's what all of these characters are. They're all so different, but all very relatable in their own ways. They've all got very sort of earthy issues. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got all these issues that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. I was going to say, this is like your third kind of big franchise that you've been part of now. Popular. I was going to ask: Is this is this something you kind of get used to, or, or is it kind of hard to fit in with that huge fan base that follows it? And have you have to mentor Emmy through this because it's quite a big thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, to answer the first part, I mean, I don't think you ever get used to it. No, because and also you never really know 
when you're doing it, when you're making it, that mm. it's going to be that. So uh, this is the first Comic-Con thing that I've done since the show's been out. So this is my first kind of going, oh, man, there's like a growing fan base here that's, that's happened quickly. Yeah. So it has the potential to absolutely be another one of these kind of shows. But no, you never really get used to it. You sort of just take it in your stride, I guess, and just meet every individual person as, as they come along. As for Amy, she doesn't need any. Oh, shut oh. up. <laughs> I'm here because of him. He was like there. Because I knew because of Game of Thrones and Merlin and Black Sails that he'd been, he kind of was in the con world and had been doing them. And I feel like you did one while we were shooting or something. I can't remember. Uh, but I was like, what is that? He was like, I got you. The- so I'm today. I'm here today because he introduced me to his, yeah. his agent and... Um, I was like, I want to, I want to like be on the ground and like meet the, you know, the people that love this show and love Gerard's and, and, and Gabriel's work. And I like, I just, I, it's really, really cool. It's so. also the only, like, cause, cause you obviously come from a musical theater background, mm. right? It was a song. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you get that immediate sort of fan response right, yeah. when you're there mm-hmm. in the moment. Whereas TV and film, you don't. So yeah. I always find that these things are a great way to see the reaction yeah. that you don't immediately get. Mm-hmm. So you get to see what people really think about it. It's just, and it's really nice, you know. Yeah. What are your favourite moments from the season? Oh, oh man, there's a few. We always see the group scenes, right? Yeah. We always say that they're really the, Any of the scenes scene. that we were all together... Because there's so many of us and all of our characters splintered off so many times, there's a lot of times where it would like just be Tom and I working for a week together, Ellen and I working for a week together, or like all of us, everyone kind of doing their own thing. So when we got to come together, like as a group and and work on a scene together, those were usually some of the best days because we all just get on so well and really, really enjoy enjoy each other's company. Um, And our characters (laughs) are so different, you know, so when we do those scenes, it's so fun to play with because we... And we also got to know our characters and each other's characters quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So we kind of knew how to play with it, yeah. how to, you know, interact and ad-lib and, and do a bit of improvising and stuff. So, yeah. no, it was th- those moments are always great. I think my my favorite, I have like three of my favorite scenes are our dance, mm-hmm. are the Agreed. end of episode eight with Ellen and the... <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and and then the, t- the phone booth scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, Which was the last, the phone booth scene was oh, the yeah. very last scene we shot on the show. Of the whole season. And it was like the the, the daylight, was, it was a night shoot and it was a, the daylight was coming up. So we were having to rush to get yeah. this phone booth they scene. They kept putting like these flats up. Yeah, it was like the sun, it was like six in the morning and we were like supposed to be in the middle yeah. of the night. We had to wrap that night. Yeah, so, but that was uh, the last scene that we shot for the whole season. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that was kind of special as well, yeah. Yeah. And I have to end it there. Oh. Any news of season two? I wish. It'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> From your mouth, my friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call up Netflix. What's good? so that was emmy raver lampman and tom hopper from the umbrella academy umbrella academy of course on netflix one of the best comic book adaptations i've seen in a very very long time i would urge you to go watch it it's superb uh go and check it out on netflix right now next up we have some highlights for next week on tv highlights for next week on tv we have a new show starting called project blue book this is uh, aiden gillian and michael malarkey in a drama based on the u.s air force real life attempts to disprove the existence of little green men uh that's coming to sci-fi on the 27th of march at uh, well it's 2 a.m and then it's getting like regularly run at 9 p.m so uh sci-fi uk for that on 27th of march looks like it could be kind of interesting that one the good fight season three that's returned to Morphor on the 28th of March at 9pm. Uh, Jane the Virgin fifth and final season of that comes onto Netflix on the 28th of March as well. Uh, there is a new show called Dead Pixels. That is coming to Channel 4 on the 28th of March at 9.30. Uh, this is about a group of people who uh, play MMOs work in an office and it's about their sort of office life and their obsession with this MMO RPG. Um, I've interviewed the guys from it. There is an interview going up later this, in this week, a written interview which will go up on the website uh, really great it comes from uh, John Brown who is the guy that uh, wrote Loaded and Fresh Meat and Veep uh, 
So it's that sort of type of humor. Uh, it's really funny. They they did a couple of these things called blaps, which I think went up online on the awful channel. So they've done sort of some little mini kind of episodes of it, but this is going to be a full season of it. But that's uh, Dead Pixels, Channel 4, 28th of March at 9.30 for that. 28th of March at 9 o'clock over on E4, we have the return of Brooklyn Nine-Nine for its sixth season, which I know lots of people will be very happy about. We've got uh, Santa Clarita Diet that is starting its third season on Netflix on the 29th of March. That's back. Uh, the Gadget Show, if you're into your gadgets, on Channel 5, that's on 29th of March at 7pm. That's returning. Uh, Hannah, which is this new high-concept thriller for Amazon Prime. Um, this is uh, follows the journey of an extraordinary young girl who's raised in a forest as she evades the relentless pursuit of an off-book CIA agent and tries to un- unearth the truth behind who she is. That arrives on the 29th of March on Amazon Prime. It's called Hannah. Um, Mission Ignition coming to Channel 4 on the 30th of March. That's at 8.30pm. This is a... Uh, it sounds a bit like Scrap Heap Challenge, kind of. It's uh, two teams of amateur car enthusiasts with the opportunity to drive off in their green car with the slight problem that they have to build their dream car first. One of the hosts of that is Take That Howard Donald. Uh, so, uh, which, although that sounds like a slightly off the wall choice, apparently he's an amateur racing driver as well, which I didn't realise, but uh, there you go. So uh, Mission Ignition, that's called season one of that, Channel 4 on 30th of March at 8.30pm. Then uh, Line of Duty, that is back on the 31st of March on BBC One at nine o'clock for its fifth season and that is everything for this week and unless you've got anything else you want to add i think you've covered everything very succinctly good uh so if they want to find you and uh stuff from comic con and all that things where can they find you i can be found on youtube facebook twitter and instagram all as trista bites and bites spelt like the computer game because i'm just that geeky and thought i'd put a pun in the spelling of my name i put up videos every friday about geeky things including retro gaming indie gaming indie comics and and events and so forth and i also sometimes get to put some articles up onto geektown.co.uk as well yes you do uh so that's trista bites with a y if you want to go and find her um for us throughout the week go and check out the website at geektown.co.uk to see all the latest air data information if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown and youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown uh, that's going to be worth checking this week because there's lots of interviews going up and also Instagram which is Geektown UK loads and loads of cosplay photos going up over the next week so go and check out those that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 <laughs> I've not got any silly little sounds for you this week because I've only just managed to get the soundboard reset up. So you've escaped being insulted by by my sounds. Oh dear. What a shame. (laughs) I'm completely distraught. (laughs) A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.